you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the world. In the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. The CEOs, authors, thought leaders, visionaries, and motivators. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Hi, folks. Chris Voss here from thechrisvossshow.com. Thechrisvossshow.com. Welcome to the big show, my family and friends. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, people around the world, welcome to the Chris Voss Show podcast. We certainly appreciate you guys tuning in and spending time with us. 14 years and 1,400 episodes. we got to stop saying that because in about 10 more episodes, we're at 1,500 episodes. So uh, there you go. Make sure you're watching all the great uh, material we're putting out, uh, two to three episodes a day with uh, great new uh, minds, the most brilliant people on the show, and none of them, of course, me. That's why we have guests, folks. Uh, go to goodreads.com, forward Chris Voss, youtube.com, forward Chris Voss, linkedin.com, forward Chris Voss, and we're over on that new uh, threads is the official Chris Voss, or Chris Voss official, the Chris Voss show and you can find us on TikTok as well. We have uh, two amazing authors on the show. I'm excited to talk to them today because we're going to be talking about leadership and some of the uh, masterful things that people have done uh, with the way we train our military. I've always been intrigued by this because when you see other militaries operating in the world or quote-unquote militaries, what was the joke that uh, I believe our head of defense uh, said recently that uh, Russia, uh, turns out Russia used to be thought of as the second best military in the world and turns out they're the second best in Ukraine. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was a pretty good joke. Um, they are the authors of the newest book that comes out July 11th, 2023. Lead like a Marine. Run towards a challenge. Assemble your fire team and win your next battle. John Warren and John Thompson are going to be on the show today. We're going to be talking to them about their amazing book and went into it. John Warren is a former USMC captain and uh, entrepreneur and community leader. He is the co-founder and former CEO of Lima One Capital, which he launched in 2011 and sold for nine figures in 2019. He is now the stu- uh, the CEO of a new startup, Gem Mining. Uh, John Thompson is a retired USMC Master Sergeant. Uh, he is the co-founder and former CEO of Lima One Capital and is currently COO of Gem mining. Uh, both Warren and Thompson were infantry Marines decorated for valor while serving together in Ramadi, Iraq. Do I have that right? That's it. There you go. Wow. I've never been there, but I'm, I have it on my on my bucket list. It's a place uh, you'll never forget. I'm sure. I'm sure. Uh, both authors live with their respective families in Greenville, South Carolina. Welcome to the show, gentlemen. How are you? Doing well. Great to be with you, Chris. There you go. Now calm down just a little bit. We need to take the show down a little bit there. Uh, there you go. So welcome to the show, both of you. Uh, give us your .coms. Where do you want people to find you on the internet, please? You can go to leadlikeamarine.com and find all of us there, info on the book, pictures, videos, pretty much everything's there. Mr. Thompson, anything you want to jump in here with? No, Lead. I mean, .com? John, John and I have the same website, but we're also on social media, Lead Like Marine with uh, Facebook, and I think Twitter also. So there you go. So uh, is this your guys' first book? This yes. is our first book. There you a go. Lot of people, a lot of people think Marines can't can't read, so uh, we decided oh, to write a book. 
That's not true. We love Marines. Marines are, you know, I, I grew up reading books about the Marines uh, in the World War II theater and uh, the astounding stories that I would tell about how they would take beaches. And sometimes you, if you were in the first one or two waves of landing on the beach, you knew your body was probably going to be used as as cover. Um, and, you know, as a wave, you weren't going to make it. The, the immense amount of bravery and uh, power behind the Marines and, and what is done and the sacrifice they made are extraordinary to our country. Um, so uh, give us a, give us a, what, what motivates you want to write this book about leadership and, uh, and using the sort of mantra of the U.S. Marine Corps? Well, I think we wrote the book. I mean, both of our wives encouraged us to write down all of our military stories in Ramadi. And uh, you know, like you said, the Marine Corps has an amazing legacy and, I know that Top and I, when we were in Ramadi, we always tried to live up to the legacy of the previous Marines because they set an unbelievable example for us. But we ultimately wanted to write it because when you look across all different spectrums, different industries, religion, um, politics, business, there's just a vacuum and a deficiency of good leadership. Mm -hmm. And we thought we had learned a lot of lessons in the Marine Corps, applied them to business, and that's really why we wanted to share them with everyone and improve society. There you go. Uh, we talked in the pre-show. I mean, I've always been really amazed the more I've learned about, you know, and, and I was a kid, I studied Eisenhower. Uh, who else did I study? Patton. Uh, I studied, uh, who was the great theater of war in uh, Korea? It was, it was late World War II and then Korea. Um, MacArthur? MacArthur, yeah. I used, to, I used to love reading the books and I built all these, you know, the model ships as a kid. And so it was interesting to read, you know, I think, uh, what was this uh, book about John F. Kennedy and his PT days and stuff like that? I was always enthralled by it. Um, lead Mike Marine, what, 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 why did you choose that title? And, and what makes that uh, such a powerful thing? Running towards challenge, assembling a fire team and winning the next battle. I'll throw that out to either of you. I, I mean, I think the biggest thing is is when we when we decided on the name of the book, it wasn't just about it's not about hey these are the exact principles that the Marine Corps pushes out. It was mm -hmm. the principles and leadership traits that we learned in direct combat. Mm -hmm. So if you look at you know the Marine Corps principles on leadership; they probably don't match up directly with what John and I have talked about in the book. Mm -hmm. Lead like a Marine. It is directly contributed to actions in combat and in training for combat. It's lessons learned from that that we took and built uh, Lima One Capital on. There you go. And why do you think that translates so well into business? I mean, I personally, I mean, John can hop on this. Personally, I think, you know, listen, if you're an entrepreneur, if you're in business, there is tough stuff going. And you know this, Chris, there's yeah. tough stuff going on every day. And when we look at it and when we looked at what happened to us in Ramadi, and we talk about this in the book all the time, it was easy to translate that and take that back to building a company and building those core values, building a culture. Um, it was, I mean, it's amazing. And I think 
it's not only just building a company when it comes to this book, it's could be a nonprofit organization. It could be a church. It could be your family. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just things like being blunt and honest, right? Yeah. Like just being, Hey, if, if I'm screwed up, if I'm messed up, John's going to tell me, mm-hmm. and I want to be told that, right? If there's a problem, I want to resolve that and fix it. There you so, go. I think the title for us means so much too, but it, I think being a Marine means so much to Americans. You know, one of the few categories that people still think highly of institutionally are small businesses and the military. Mm-hmm. And both of our backgrounds equate to both of those industries. And I think lead like a Marine, everyone wants to aspire to be that guy or female in the military, in the dress blues. They have this these ideals and those those traits top talked about core values. That's the most important thing that we have experienced in the Marine Corps and in business. It really all comes down to core values. And we talk about that in the book by telling a lot of cool stories from you know, hiring a former Marine who we met as a bartender mm-hmm. who is has an unbelievable background, but no background in finance, and we trained him. We hired another uh, Courtney Newmans we hired who was a UGA football player who had lost his mom early in life and was raised by his dad. Uh, again, no finance background, but the right core values. And I think that is what's important in success. And that doesn't matter what industry you're in. There you go. I mean, I would agree in since 18, I've been running companies and business is war. It really is. Life is war. I mean, life is a battle for survival when it really comes down to it. You're finding disease, you're finding, you know, people texting in their cars as they're going by you, you know, it, it's a war sometimes, you know. I don't know about you guys, but I'm 55 now. I wake up every morning. It's a whole new war to just get to the coffee machine and, and get, you know, par- body parts to move, you know. <laughs> so, you know, and business is war. It's survival ship. You've got competitors that are cutthroat. You've got people that want to put you out of business. And, you know, you, you've got your family behind you. You're, you're defending something just like our, our military defends the values of our country and freedom, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and, and it is, it is in fact a war. And I think that's why leadership principles that are taught in our military are so important and, and translate so well, because I, I've just been enthralled by them. The more I've, 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 you know, had authors like yourselves on the show from the military and, and study what goes on. And, 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 and then of course, like I mentioned earlier, you know, you see other militaries and how they perform and be, and a lot of it because of their structures they use and whether or not their their front lines empowered to be able to make decisions, and it makes all the difference. Uh, tease us out some stories, if you would. Uh, I, I know we mentioned one there, but uh, tease us out maybe a little bit of things that are in the book that people will uh, like to hear about. Well, I think one of the things that makes the book special is the fact that a lot of people are familiar with the military principles. A lot of people are familiar with the business principles, mm-hmm. but very few military personnel have come out and sold a company for nine figures after starting it from scratch. So I think one of the unique things about our book is that we talk not only about the military traits and characteristics, but we've already applied them to business and we know that they're successful. But some of the stories that we talk about, you know, the book ends on a chapter called Lead from the Front. And one of our Marines, Mike Ouellette, uh, it's his story of how he won a Navy Cross in Afghanistan in the Nauzad district. 
and it was 2009. Mike went out with his squad of Marines to do a battlefield assessment. Uh, they had shot a Hellfire missile at a Taliban position, and they sent out Mike's squad to go inspect the damage. And while he was out there, he was patrolling, and Mike was one of the few Marines that actually, as a squad leader, he was point man, and mm -hmm. he was out in front to protect his Marines. And Mike stepped on an IED and lost oh, both wow. of his legs. Jesus. And, you know, none of us on this call can really understand what that means and what he went through. But ultimately, he just shared, he showed so much courage. Mm -hmm. And we conclude the chapter on, hey, lead like Mike Ouellette. And mm -hmm. what he did, he lost his legs. They put, um, they, they tried to stop the bleeding, put tourniquets on both legs. And while he was still bleeding, he stayed in the fight the entire time. The wow. squad was ambushed by 50 to 100 Taliban fighters. And Mike actually called on his own air support to save his Marines, stayed in the fight, called on his own casualty evacuation, directed his troops the entire engagement, which lasted up to an hour. Mm -hmm. And did not, he refused to be evacuated until he was the last person out because he was the leader of that squad. So that's one of the harrowing stories that we tell in the book. Wow. I mean, that's extraordinary. And, and the Marines have a history of, of being the lead for uh, the, the spear, I think, for the, the U.S. military. Am, am I correct in that? The spear. Yeah, the tip of the spear, and and uh, you know they get sent into all sorts of stuff. Like I said, I grew up reading about the Marines and and you know what they were doing in Iwo Jima and and the uh, theater uh, and you know the landing on beaches that were just uh, on islands that were totally controlled by the Japanese. You know we had uh, Senior Master Sergeant Israeli uh, DT Del Toro Jr. on the show a couple weeks ago about his book Patriots Promise. He was burnt over ninety eight percent of his body, and yet when he was burnt just like the story you told he was still he was still trying to command uh uh drop hits on on some people that were uh, uh, bombs being dropped uh, on some some of his uh, compatriots on the hill that were being uh attacked as well just extraordinary stories but these these translate well into military because or I'm sorry in business for military because you know, well, the Marines have always been great at running towards a challenge and taking on and, and, and being that tip of the spear. You know, we see a lot of organizations that struggle to do that. They struggle to lead. You know, there's a million examples we could probably cite in business of, of people that, uh, you know, either won't eat their own lunch or eat, eat their own, you know, they eat their own lunch uh, like Apple did when it introduced the iPad. It knew it was going to it was going to cannibalize its uh, computer sales, but it did anyway. Kodak, who uh, I think it was Kodak, who originally developed digital photography, but they knew it would kill their film business, so they didn't they didn't lean in it. They didn't run towards the challenges. You guys like to have it. Hi, folks. Here's Foss here with a little station break. Hope you're enjoying the show so far. We'll resume here in a second. Uh, I'd like to invite you to come to my coaching speaking and training courses website you can also see our new podcast over there at chrisvossleadershipinstitute.com over there you can find all the different stuff that we do for speaking engagements if you'd like to hire me uh training courses that we offer and coaching for leadership management entrepreneurism uh podcasting corporate stuff uh with over 35 years of experience in business and running companies as ceo and be sure to check out chris voss leadership institute.com now back to the show um 
Tell us about some other principles that you put forth in the book that uh, are important, you think? I think, uh, to me and, and, and John alike, I think one of the most important things is how to like develop culture and build a company. Mm -hmm. And when you find, and, and that goes into the hiring process, when you find like-minded people uh, who share the same intrinsic core values that you do, regardless of their background, right? It doesn't matter about their background to us. If they mm -hmm. had the, the core values, we were willing to hire them. And that's a sacrifice for company. It was a sacrifice for us, right? So we're really mm -hmm. hiring these people, you know, and we're gonna have to train them and get them elevated. And it's gonna be six months before they can be what I would consider a fire and forget weapon. Mm -hmm. And there's some sacrifice in there, right? There's salary, there's training, there's everything. But if they have that, the core values, that's how you build the culture, right? Like that's the mm -hmm. start of building a culture. And some of the core values, Chris, you know, we, we have a chapter in there called uh, build a team of killers. <laughs> and some people have gotten offended by that term. But when we talk about killers, we talk about killer performers. Mm -hmm. And if you're too soft, people outside are too soft or too woke to appreciate that, then, you know, they probably shouldn't read the book. But ultimately, the characteristics that we want to hire are extremely hardworking people, people that have honesty and integrity, people that want mm -hmm. to be part of a team. And finally, people that have a chip on their shoulder and want to prove something. There you go. Regardless of whether you're in the military, you're in business, you're in a nonprofit, you're on a basketball team. Those are the traits of the people that I want in my foxhole, and I think we've proven that out. There you go. The, the you want in your foxhole. I love that term. I liked. It. I was going to ask you about that chapter. Build a team of killers because you want guys that are killers. You want you want killer salesmen. You want guys who are going to go out and they're going to rock and roll. Uh, it's a term used in comedy. You know, you want to get up and kill. You don't want to die uh, on stage. Um, you know, it's it's a it's a phrase people get. It, I think unless they. I don't know. They have issues, whatever. But uh, uh, but you 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 talk about some of the principles that I I'm pretty sure that, from my understanding, because I've never been in the military, so you'll have to correct me if I'm wrong. But you know, principles that are are, are part of the military and what makes people like the Marines great. You mentioned trust, honesty. I'm sure self accountability is in there somewhere. Um, loyalty. You know, anytime I've talked and, and with all my military friends, I've always known they've talked about their band of brothers. They've talked about that loyalty, knowing someone has your back, um, loyalty, the principle, the cause uh, to each other. Um, you know, because, you know, when you're in a firefight or you're in a danger zone or maybe you're in a, a collapsing PR business situation or or, you know, I, I've had companies, they work fine one day, and then all of a sudden some system changes or some supply chain changes, some pricing changes, suddenly you're bleeding out. And if you don't patch that hole, you, your ship's going down, you're going bankrupt. Um, so uh, am I correct on that? Oh, I mean, just look at, look at Bud Light, right? I mean, that's a recent company. How do you think the leadership is at that company? How do you think the core values are there? They don't even know their most basic customer, and that's why they're mm -hmm. down about 25% in sales. Yeah, I think they I think they handed some stuff over some people that uh, uh, didn't respect their core values. From what I've I've seen the video of the young lady who I think has been removed from the company, and they think her boss, and uh, and uh, you know talking about how it, 
you know, it was a frat brand and talking down about the brand. Yeah, I think they found out very hard. It's kind of interesting to me. I guess the CEO used to be in the CIA or something at one point. Kind think, of interesting story. But, exactly, uh, I think the CEO was actually a former Marine. Oh, was he really? And also was in the CIA. I got to yeah. confirm that. But I, I read an article recently where I was I was shocked. But that goes back to what we were talking about earlier is like, hey, hiring the right people. Exactly. And then decentralization of command so that they can make the right decisions. Yeah. So it's th That's a perfect example. And if you look at the market cap they lost, it's actually sh it's shocking. Yeah. And, and I mean, you can you can take whatever premise you want on it. I mean, we support LGBT community. But, uh, you know, from a business standpoint, it is a lesson and it's respecting your brand. It's respecting the people who value your brand and talk about your brand. And uh, I think what was most offensive to people is when they saw the video of that young lady marketer who I believe uh, did the little program that, that got her fired. Uh, or I believe she's either she's either that laid off. It's it's being said now she's gone. Um, it, it, you know, disrespecting the brand. She goes, ah, it's a frat brand. You know, it's not. This is a frat boy brand. We need to change it. And it's like, well, you know, I mean, guys have a real huge identity towards beer and sports, and we just do. I mean, you don't really, you don't really crap on that and go, hey, you're frat brand. <laughs> I think it's offensive. I think when, when at the time, beer. it was the number one selling beer in yeah. America. You know, it's like, what, yeah, it's and one thing where these leaders, so-called leaders, go wrong, a good leader unifies. Mm -hmm. Bad leaders, they have to show how everyone's different. And that's the problem with all these woke ideologies. Mm -hmm. They want to point out every reason why we are so different. Mm -hmm. And instead, what they should be focusing on, true leaders focus on what unites us. Mm -hmm. You know, what unites us as Americans, what unites us as a company, what unites us as Marines. You know, there are, there's no better place for diversity than the Marine Corps. Mm -hmm. uh, however, that's not the focus of the Marine Corps. The Marine Corps focuses on our shared core values. There you go, shared we core values. Society need to get back to that. We definitely do. I mean, Victoria's Secret doesn't, uh, uh, doesn't, uh, doesn't market bras to straight men. Uh, <laughs> not yet anyway not yet i mean to straight men uh you know but i mean i guess there's still time but uh you know it, it is interesting but you talk about core values and those are so important in a company and it's so important that your employees know your core values you guys talk about uh hiring well uh you know i found out the hard way in my companies you know we used to hire people after one meeting and then we had all these problems we found that after having three to four uh, interviews and filters and uh, comparing notes and doing good upfront interviewing uh, and hiring made all the difference in the problems we were having in the organization. Like they totally got cleaned up and it's so important. And then one of the first things that we did, literally the first thing that we did once we hired someone at Lima One, Top and I would go in and we would give them an investor brief mm -hmm. to get the core values of the company. And then the second brief we would give them is our experience in Ramadi and mm -hmm. why we think the way we think and how we conduct business, because it's often a lot different than a lot of other companies. But going back also to what you guys were both talking about with the training, mm -hmm. it is a short-term sacrifice to do the training, to do the intensive training. However, it is a long-term huge upside because those are going to be your best employees and they're going to stick around. The biggest mistake we see in business today 
is not hiring someone because they don't have industry experience. Mm -hmm. So for example, they won't hire someone straight out of college who is very capable to learn uh, how to be an underwriter. Mm-hmm. They want someone that's been job hopping for the past 12 years and been at 10 companies because they say, well, that guy has experience. And uh, we were just totally opposite. We focused on the core values and the competencies, and we knew that training would take care of the rest. It's kind of like the Marine Corps. No one goes in. Think about the Marine Corps if they had the the idea of we're not going to bring anyone in who doesn't have combat experience. Yeah. I mean, you got to <laughs> <laughs> I love that analogy. That makes so much sense. Yeah. I mean, you should post that on LinkedIn. It probably got like 50 million likes. And that, Chris, that... Oh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. No, Chris, early on when we were trying to raise capital and, you know, go through the process of really building the company, expanding it, we would get criticized on that from Wall Street bankers and investment bankers. Like, hey, why don't you have a 55-year-old a uh, woman who is running your underwriting department. And it's like, our response was like, we're not going to change that. And that's how you guys did it. And that's what everybody does. Mm-hmm. We're doing this a different way. And mm-hmm. it was a struggle early on trying to raise capital. Really? We didn't have that experience. We um, had we had a hedge fund, Chris. We were at a, yeah. they done all the underwriting, due diligence on the company to, to write a huge check. We were at dinner. And they said, hey, we love your company. We love all the loans that you originate. They're all performing great. However, we don't like that your underwriters don't have experience. And then wow. they said, because of that, we're just not going to do a deal with you. Six weeks later, after they had toured the country of our competitors, they came back and said, we'd love to do a deal with you. <laughs> and then one year later, Top and I almost fell out of our chairs when we were with that same hedge fund and we were around a bunch of people and the CEO of that hedge fund said, one of the things that we love about Lima One is their hiring practices. Mm-hmm. They hire people based on core values and core competencies. So, you know, people can change and that's an example of it. So what do you guys, uh, what are some factors you guys look for in, in core competencies when you hire? Um, you know, I, 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 with my companies, I found that like we, for our sales company, hiring people who were taught sales in college would never work out. But hiring guys off the street who'd done car sales and other things like that in the hardcore sales business, they learned you know the old-fashioned way. Those guys are great salesmen. What are, what are some of the core competencies you look for? Chris, I think that's it's stuff. Ultimately, the core competency is stuff that I can't teach you. Mm-hmm. I can't teach you to show up to work on time. I can't, you know what I mean? Like, I can't teach you that. I can't teach you to work hard. I can't teach you to be part of a team. I can mm-hmm. teach you to underwrite a loan. I can teach you to probably film your podcast, mm-hmm. but I can't teach you to show up. So yeah. those are like, and I can't teach you during tough times, not having the drive to push through. Yeah. And we look for things like that. And then mm-hmm. I can teach you everything else. Yeah. You know, I, can, I, I really can. And so can you. Yeah. I mean, Work right? ethic is hard to teach. I mean, if you don't have it, you know. No, hard we, to develop. it's hard to develop. And, you know, we talked earlier, John and I, like a lot of the core competencies, like, hey, how do I know about hard work? Because I watched my dad work his ass off. Yeah. Right. Like, and I, you know, those are the things 
that it's hard to teach or almost impossible. Yeah. One, of the, one of the best hires we made, one day I was sitting in my office, we had tried to hire our first salesperson. So you're talking about hiring a salesperson. Top comes in my office and he says, I've got the perfect guy and you're going to love him. He's a football player. I said, mm-hmm. what kind of football player? He said, an SEC football player. And it ended up being Courtney Newman's. And mm-hmm. we sat down with him. He had applied. He was a former Georgia player, relatively no sales, recent grad. But we sat down with him at dinner down in mm-hmm. Atlanta at Ted's Montana Grill, I still remember. And we liked Courtney Newman's immediately and wanted to hang out with him. So, mm-hmm. you know, who's going to be good at sales? Someone that people want to hang out with, right? He's not super intrusive. He's not overly aggressive, but people just genuinely like him and they genuinely trust him. And Courtney probably today makes more money at Lima One Capital than anyone because he's so successful nice. as a sales guy. Yeah. Plus he can tackle the sales. Hey, you don't want to you don't you don't want to mess with a Georgia fullback, right? There you go. Hey, you should hire that Tom Brady guy here. He's looking for work. Anyway, I'm just that's Tom that's Brady what guys. I hear. Uh, so you know, this is really important and you bring up a good point because I, I see and talk with a lot of recruiters on LinkedIn and different things and you know you mentioned earlier in the show you know these guys that, that it's it's almost like they kind of want bots more that 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 hey are they good at you know just hopping job to job and almost like uh, almost like people that you know they're just going to keep their head down do the job show up and and uh, you know they're just they're dependent upon the thing. Um, I remember when I was young and I started my first company, and then uh, things were working out because uh, evidently construction isn't good in winter. Uh, who knew with cement and stucco that uh, it didn't it doesn't stick as well in winter? And so I was looking for work at different places, and I remember I looked for spare work at a rent a center. I think it was a rent a center or one of those furniture renter places. And I was actually sitting with the owner. And he goes, he goes, hey, you know, what are you, what are you hoping to do with your life here? Blah, blah, blah. And I said, uh, and he, he told me his story. And I go, God, I want to grow up. I want to be like you, man. I want to own some companies, do some stuff. And he said to me, I'll never forget. He goes, he goes, well, I got to be honest with you. Sound like you just want to go be an entrepreneur and become like me. And this probably is going to work for, out for us because we want a guy who, you know, is just going to, I don't know, cross the T's, dot the I's and yes, sir, no, sir, blah, blah, blah. And uh, so it's probably not going to work out here. And I, I thought, you know. That seems a really dumb thing because, you know, I, I know people that have built major companies. I know there's the Maxwell, I forget his first name, but uh, Maxwell, he wrote a lot of leadership books. One of his best friends is John Maxwell. His, John Maxwell. His, his second in command in his company is probably taking over now, I believe. Uh, you know, has been with him for 30 years and, and yeah, he can, he can run the company, but there's a guy that, you know, ends up being like the thing. And, and we have this kind of weird thing in, in, uh, the, in the hiring field in the business field where they, they just almost want to hire bots per se, as opposed to people who want to lead. Well, I would say the people that want to hire those bots are probably bots themselves. <laughs> and I mean, we That's want, great. we want people that want to take a new division and grow it. Don't. Yeah. You know, I mean, we doubled Lima One Capital every single year we were there. And that's hard to do. And you can't do that without great employees. And we had those. And you need to, as a leader, this is one of the most important things. You need to be preparing leaders inside of your organization to move up through the ranks. And, of course, through those filters, become your next CEO. You've, as any smart leader knows that you should be developing the leaders under you to replace you. Because that's 
that's real true leadership is when you can replace yourself with uh, with leaders and you can step aside and do whatever you want, I suppose. And that's taken directly from the military. I mean, John, mm-hmm. about a great principle that we talk about is training up and down to where you can do the position of the person above you and below you. Mm-hmm. Because in the Marine Corps, <clears throat> if a platoon commander goes down, the platoon sergeant or a squad leader needs to step up and fill that role. And I think the best, you know, Collins talks about this in good to great <clears throat> level five leaders. They're ones where the organization is so well run that when that leader steps away or leaves, the leader, the leaders below step up and that company runs just as great as it did before. Mm-hmm. The level four leaders are insecure and they don't quite want the company to do as well if they're not there. And that's all around insecurity. So I think you hit it on the head. You want people that want to be around A players and hire. Hey, I, I want to be the dumbest in the room with my employees, not the smartest. Yeah. I'm always the dumbest person in the room. But, uh, I mean, have you seen me lately? Hey, uh, so, I mean, this is really important. You, you have to develop leaders. You know, uh, in my book, I talked about how everyone everyone's a leader. A parent's a leader. Um, you know, and it's amazing to me how many people don't see themselves see themselves as leaders, and you want leaders all through the levels of your organization because they, because you, you need leadership. You know, I, I've seen the companies where they just go spend most of their days in conference rooms, going, "Hey, are you going to lead? Are you going to lead? Who's going to lead? I don't know. We're just going to sit here and talk about this stuff over and over again." Uh, one, one of the things you one, one unique ahead. principle that we had at the company it was a rule. We would not allow anyone, including the CEO, to have more than four direct reports because uh-huh. above that, you just have a bunch of meetings and you don't do anything accomplishing the yeah. mission. And yeah. we found that that just empowers the middle level of, me- of leaders. And you know, we had so many small fire teams that we called them, and that really empowered the employees to grow. Chris, we- that's how the Marine Corps Infantry Company is organized. It's three four-man teams mm. with a fire team leader and then a squad leader. And inside that platoon is three squads. Mm-hmm. So there's this decentralization where decision-making is done and problems are solved so that leaders can focus on the more important things is, hey, where are we going to be at next quarter? What are we, mm-hmm. What's our plan for growth next year? And if you're... You know, if you have 12, 15, 20, I mean, we've seen this, direct reports, your calendar is filled with meetings about what happened last week and not what is going to happen two weeks from now, a quarter from now, or a year from now. And maybe, maybe in the sequel of the book, I can tell you how successful I've been implementing this early. I have three young kids, seven, five, and almost four. Mm-hmm. trying to get my oldest to be the fire team leaders of his two siblings there you go so, uh, i think it's never too young to start the leadership training it isn't i mean it, it it's uh it's really important i mean kids need this i mean being leaders the world needs leaders damn it and uh our i was just reading a report today that you know we're losing you know a lot a large part of leadership from from uh our retiring community with the baby boomers and stuff and we have a shrinking employment base uh and 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 a shrinking knowledge base we need more leaders um you guys mentioned there what was the stat you guys mentioned earlier in the show that companies spend what was a 90 percent of their time you know putting out fires and solving problems and 10 percent leading and focusing on the future was that the figure i had 
that's a figure that I believe yeah. you, know, you can have is, you know, as a leader, if you don't have decentralization, you don't trust the people you employed and trained and spent all that time to make decisions, you're going to be dealing, you know, as a CEO, I don't want to deal with somebody who is late. I don't mm. I expect somebody else to deal with that, right? Yeah. And that's a simple example, but or a mistake in underwriting or manufacturing or something. Uh, I expect to get a report on that at some point, but I don't want to have to deal with it and take up my time of the day. I've, yeah. hired, I've hired people that I trust can manage those things. Yeah. And yeah. entrepreneurs have that issue too, where they don't delegate well. We have a hard time with that, especially in small companies. Yeah, I mean, it's, I, I think it's tough, and John w would know best about this, but you have to do that. I mean, we've, we have, we did that for years on end where we hired people, and, you know, six months later, we had them leading underwriting teams that were writing millions of dollars a month in loans, mm -hmm. and I have to trust that. If not, yeah. then I might as well just be an underwriter, and, yeah. you know, that's, you have to do that, but it goes back to hiring the right people. There you go. Uh, one final question I'll ask you. Uh, uh, you guys have a chapter in here called Be Blunt and Direct, Chapter 7. Uh, tell us what that means. I think it's probably the most applicable chapter to anyone in America or in the world. I mean, it's it can affect your marriage, your family, your business career, your social life. That if you literally just are blunt and direct with people and tell them what you're thinking, any problems that you have, the positives, the negatives, but you're just honest about it. And you, and you let the person know that you're coming from a position of love and care that it will really impact the relationship. So, you know, we, we have a funny story in the, in the book where we say, Hey, based on a small sample size of two, Marriages are improved if you are blunt and direct. And uh, that's what we found. And it's just being honest. It's owning up to things early. Hey, if there's a mistake, you know, Top always says problems don't get better with age. <laughs> Have that, you seen me lately? <laughs> So I think, you know, Top may have something else to add on the blunt and direct. But yeah, I think the so, most important thing is you you know, and, and this is goes back to like taking care of your employees, you know, employees always stress about, Hey, my six month review is coming up or my 90 day review is coming up. The great thing about being blunt and honest and tackling a problem early on is when they go into that review, there's no shocks or surprises. There's no mm -hmm. stress on them. They already know. If they've done a great job, they've already been told that. If they had a couple of problems, they've already been told and we fixed them. Mm -hmm. So I, to me, it's the best thing. And my, listen, and John said this, I mean, I'm sure, you know, listen, my wife tells me all the time, hey, you know, your pants look like crap. It's like, hey, I really appreciate that, right? Like I'm about to go to a business meeting. Let me go fix these things. It's just, yeah. you know, it's... It, it's it saved them from me having to tell them that a couple hours. Oh, yeah. Uh, but I think, you know, in the employee and building a company, our employees love that. If there was a problem, we saw it on the floor, on our trading floor. If we saw it, 
it would it happened immediately. It wasn't somebody taking notes and you get that in your review. Yeah. And one of the things we tackle too is the sandwich approach. Mm. You know, hey, positive, a little vague, negative, and then end on positive. And then that person walks away and was like, so is he bragging on me or is he criticizing me? Like, what, what's the deal? So you always knew where you stood with us. And I think people really appreciate that. And, I mean, yeah. kids, hey, if your kid gets beat 10 to nothing, don't tell them good game. Yeah. You know, tell them, hey, you guys got smoked, but I'm really proud of you for trying so hard and continuing to fight even though you were down 10, right? Like, the kids know. No one's yeah. more blunt than a kid, right? That's they true. have no filter. You go to certain situations and your kid says something, you're like, no, don't say that, please. But he's just being honest. But it seems like in today's society, we're not supposed to be that. And I think we need to return to that. Yeah, I mean, it's about being honest with yourselves and the company, you know, like with the values that you guys have talked about that you spouse. Um, you know, if a company's not honest with itself, I learned as a CEO, if I wasn't honest with myself and bought my own bullshit PR that, you know, I would be blindsided. I would have uh, I would have blind spots uh, where I wouldn't see you know what the true problems were, and those those can end up costing you money if you're you know if you're buying your own hype and whatever PR the way art part is pumping out, and if you're not true to those values and being honest with yourself, you're gonna you're gonna drive right into a cliff, really. Yeah. Uh, so any, uh, let's, uh, tease out, uh, what do you guys both want people to learn from the book? What, what, what's your final message on the book and, and, uh, what you want people to get from it when they walk away from reading it? I mean, I, I'll start off real quick. I, I just think I, we're, our hope is that people take the nine principles that we lined out in, in the book that we learned in combat and albeit built a very successful company um but how they can use that you know I, I don't want people to be deterred about you know bleed like a marine it's it can be used family churches nonprofits entrepreneurs and current business men and women to grow their companies yep Anything more you want to throw in here? No, I, I just think the book's, like Top said, very applicable to everyone. It's a fun read. We've got a lot of cool stories from combat, but we also have a lot of funny stories uh, from business. Um, it's applicable for families, and I think it can really impact people in a positive way and impact society. Because right now, if there's one thing that most people agree on is that we need more leaders, we need better leaders. And this is a path to uh, to achieve that. And it's a path for everyone to improve their own lives. So we're very proud of the book. And it was a lot of fun writing it, reconnecting with, you know, 40-something of our Marines for interviews. And uh, we hope everyone really enjoys it. There you go. We need more good leaders in this world. We need more leaders that, that espouse truth, honesty, uh, self-accountability, you know, the stuff that you, loyalty, the stuff we talked about here. You know, your, your people look for that in you as a leader. And can I be loyal to this person? Is this person loyal to me? Can I trust them? You know, there's, there's all those aspects that are in that interpersonal relationship when you, when you build your teams and, and people look to you as that leader and, and they go, should I follow this guy? And, is he full of shit as uh, 
as a uh, who's the famous comedian you said he's full of shit uh george george conway george carlin um yeah george carlin used to you know he had that he's ah, he's full of shit i love that line anyway uh so think real quick i I just think people really the two questions they ask their leaders Mm -hmm. are can we trust them and do they care about us and you know that's so important and in the marine corps the only two really the only two things that everything boiled down to was mission accomplishment and troop welfare and that's what we need out of leaders we need people that want to accomplish the mission and care about the people under them and oftentimes leaders think leading is a privilege that comes with a lot of perks as opposed to leading with responsibility and fiduciary duties and we need to return to the latter not the former definitely i love the term fiduciary duties i learned that in owning a mortgage company for 20 years uh you know fiduciary duty taking care of what the client's interests are and having a duty to them and i think think, yeah think about if our politicians had that approach (laughs) my fiduciary duty is to not is to not be so concerned about getting reelected, but actually caring about the taxpayers and the citizens of the u.s that would be amazing transformation it certainly would be. We need more of this in life and better leaders. Thank you very much, gentlemen, for coming on the show. Give us your .coms, wherever you want people to find you on the interwebs. You can find us at leadlikeamarine.com. There you go. Thanks for having us. Thank you for coming. We certainly appreciate it. Thank you for your service. And, uh, yeah, I, I just love what the military does and puts out. And and uh, I love the strategy. But when I, when I see what's going on, like military with Russia and stuff like that, and you see their structure of, of stuff, and you go, wow, this is why we kick butt. I mean, I was, I was watching somebody talk about the other day how China just really tries to solve our to become like us and when you really you really are like our military and when you when you really see it part of i I think what was the book i was reading was it the prince recently i'm reading on war right now the famous book on war (laughs) um or was it the five rings there was something i was reading recently that talked about that if your soldiers have that value and our military fights for the values of this country freedom uh the u.s constitution um please read it people like actually read it um and uh uh you know all these different aspects but there's a you know they fight for their families that are back home they fight for uh, the american ideals and then you see you know some of the conscripts of the russian war and how they're just like why am i here what am i doing in fact that's how their interviews usually are in the ukraine right now you you see the difference in the spirit of of the human beings and the way we built our military and and how much that makes a difference. And it's the same for organizations, the spirit and culture in your organizations, like you guys write about in your book. Anyway, thanks for coming on the show, gentlemen. Uh, thanks so much for tuning in. Go to goodreads.com, Fortress Chris Foss, YouTube.com, Fortress Chris Foss, LinkedIn.com, Fortress Chris Foss, see the big LinkedIn newsletter and all the other places we're on the internet. Thanks for tuning in. Be good to each other. Stay safe. We'll see you guys next time. And I should have a sound.